You don't try to build a waltz. You don't start there. You say, I'm gonna lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid. You do that every single day. And soon you have a waltz. Little boom there for you to get you woken up. Hello and hi, it's good to see you again. You are here with me, I am Mr. Umba, and I'm here with one of my colleagues and friends, Miss Leah Goach. I'll give you a round of applause, miss. There you go. <laughs> I'm gonna cut it off abruptly, so it's not gonna be like a really well-oiled transition, but there we go. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, so I'm Leah, so I'm one of the Associate Assistant Principals at KBA. Um, I was Head of Geography for seven years, um, and this year I've uh, stepped up uh, into SLT. Awesome, awesome. So, I want to talk this uh, session about the idea of CPD, because it's a word that's banded about a lot, and we hear lots about the importance of professional development, and I think that it's a really interesting area of discussion, and I know you've done some work in the past, not only from your role as Head of Department, but also in working with with um, ITT, so I wanted to hear your point of view of it. And I want us to start by like defining this acronym. What does CPD mean and how should we like respond to it? I, I think that CPD has changed massively over my career. I mean, I've been teaching 12 years now, but I think from when I started as a teacher, CPD was very much about whole school focus and you know going on training courses and you're really lucky if you got to get out of school. Um, and I think it's changed now massively to be so more targeted and individualised. Um, and that's so important about continuing your professional development because it's not just about the here and now, it's about actually every member of staff. Doesn't matter if you've been teaching two years or been teaching 20 years, there's always something that you can learn, something that you can develop, something that you can progress with. Um, so I think it is that that continual thing is such an important element of CPD. I definitely agree that the kind of the landscape of CPD has changed because I remember being, you know, if you were the anointed and appointed, you got to go out on a, like a day to wherever it, London or wherever it is that it was being delivered and you came away with like fancy brochures and whatnot. And I don't think there's, there's not, I, I still think there's a place for that kind of uh, professional development, but we've definitely seen an emergence of kind of very targeted CPD, not only from a school point of view in terms of how schools administer professional development within the schools, but also in terms of within EduTwitter and kind of the, the kind of wider education community, there are a lot more opportunities for people to develop in different areas. And I remember seeing a tweet recently that was talking about, um, is there a danger that we're too saturated in it? What would your thoughts be about that? Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I think that some people feel like they, they need to be doing things all the time and, and almost feel like they're failing if they're not part of Edu Twitter or they haven't read the latest blog or they don't know the most up-to-date research. And I think that's where the role of a, of a school comes in and, and a department, really. Um, so something that, that school have done this year and, and kind of our CPD lead, Sophie, has done really well is, is focusing departments on CPD plans so that it is targeted and it's, it's based on what is needed. So doing an audit and looking at actually that individual need, whether it's subject specific, whether it is pedagogy wise. Um, and I think working with um, ITT and NQTs this year, that's something that certainly um, that we've looked at because I think even with your training, when you were an ITT or an NQT, um, you are thrown a lot of content and sometimes it is overwhelming and you do almost drown in it. Um, and it's making sure that what you take on board and what you're given actually is useful. And I think it's about that deliberate practice a lot of the time with CPD and making sure you're putting things into place, that you're not just reading something, watching something, doing something 
uh, through an online course, but actually that you're then thinking about how that applies to you and how you can pop it into practice. I definitely think that's really important because how do you evaluate the impact of that professional development? And I agree also that the ITT phase, you have loads. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant. Mm. Like there's just so much content. Do you feel that kind of drops off as you move in your career where there's maybe less of an expectation for you to be as as intensely engrossed in kind of new developments in terms of pedagogy or whatever it is, do you feel like that kind of drops off as you move through your career? I certainly think that that was the case. But like you said, the landscape has changed hugely over the last couple of years. And I think now it is about it being uh, a continual thing. So people can kind of dip into it constantly, whether it is something that is led by your head of department or by a member of your team that looks at a particular element of subject that you're not as strong with. Um, because let's be honest, if we are teaching GCSE and A-level, there's always elements that we can improve on and find out more. Um, you know, I teach a subject where things are changing all the time. So there is always something that you can be upskilled with. And I think that's almost where people's mindset has to change. That it's not about we're saying you're not very good at this. It's about saying you're great at this. Let's make you better. Let's, let's see that progress to make you even better than you currently are. I definitely think that must be like quite a cultural shift because I think the idea of CPD, and this might just have been my interpretation, but there was a time when either you went to CPD because it was to fill a deficit, like a gap in your learning, or you went because maybe you were taking on a new role. Mm. But actually the attitude towards CPD now is less about there's anything wrong with you, it's just how can we continue to add to your skill. And I think when I think we spoke to Alice recently, and we're talking about in the medicine in medicine, the medical profession, you're constantly expected to be up to date with, you know, regular research and, and that's part and parcel of your professionalism. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that we have kind of cracked or broken the back of that kind of attitude where C P D is something that's done to people rather than done with? I, I would hope so. I think, again, it is that culture change, isn't it? About perhaps more experienced members of staff not thinking it is about being told to do something, but actually wanting to work with them uh, to get better at something. Um, and I think that is, that's a challenge for a lot of HODs, and it's a challenge for, for senior leaders, because being able to change that culture amongst schools that perhaps are so used to sitting in a theatre or sitting in a hall and being told something, um, you know, that, that's what you're used to. And it's almost like you knew when CPD was coming, you'd almost set yourself up to, to kind of experience that. And, and you'd sit there and you'd think, great, <laughs> here we go again. Or this is something we looked at last year. And, and when you look at training days, we look at, C at schedules for CPD. I think, again, that's something we've shifted a lot in the school this year or the last couple of years. And it's been great because, again, it's not sitting in the theatre as a whole school body because not everyone in the school is going to need the same CPD. And I think, yes, with things like safeguarding or... Um, you know, behave, behavior management updates, etc. There are there is a need for everyone to be in there, but it is about making sure it is specific. And I know I keep on going about being specific and individualized, but that is just so important. And you know, I've I've fallen with it within that role this year of kind of leading with the NQTs. Um, I shared some content on SEND and I shared some content on cognitive load. And actually, a lot of the NQTs probably with their cognitive load knowledge because it's such a up-to-date relevant theory um you know you see a lot of blogs about it you see a lot of edgy twitter things about it um i actually asked several of the nqts to feedback to me what they knew so that it wasn't just i'm going to throw those at you um you know you've never heard of this i know they've heard of it so let's see actually as an nqt or as a, a newly qualified rqt or whatever um that they're able to then implement that into their lessons in the way that benefits them most 
I think that's a really valid point. You've given me two ideas. Remind me if I forget to talk about football. <laughs> the first thing was, do you feel the role of the expert has changed? Like, who is the expert in now? Not that you don't have people who are more experienced and have greater expertise in areas, but do you feel there's a shift now in terms of more collaborative working together in terms of who delivers that professional development, as you just Abs described? Absolutely so, and I think that's so important that that is the case. Um, a lot of our newly qualified teachers or less experienced teachers are sometimes the experts in elements. Um, I know certainly in the department that I work in, uh, RNQT as a, as a geographer has just come out of university. So she has the more up-to-date knowledge of theory, um, did a lot of work in her ITT year, therefore has a lot more up-to-date knowledge of a lot of the theory and pedagogy um, that perhaps the more experienced members of the team don't have. And, and she's delivered CPD this year and it's been absolutely cracking. And I think that is so important. And I've really encouraged a lot of the NQTs through the CPD we've done this year to have conversations with mentors about then sharing that back with the departments and I, I want to see them leading on it with the departments and again it's that culture change isn't it that culture shift of more exper experienced members of staff who see themselves as the experts or HODs that see themselves as experts allowing that to happen and I think in our school we are so lucky because that is the case uh, and I know that in several departments that is the case that it isn't just one person leading CPD all the time on purpose because we want to dig into those people that aren't the best at it, the most expert. So no, I definitely, the point I was going to make about football was, as we record right now, Euros are taking place, mm. and I know you're a big football fan. Yeah, and I think that the whole idea of kind of CPD is a little bit like, teams will train for their set pieces. Mm -hmm. There's there's a position you have to play when you're taking a corner or a free kick, but there will be no doubt some people who are just better able mm -hmm. to deliver, you know, the free kick or the corner, whatever it is. And it's like, you have those set pieces, but then in training, each of those players are going to be developed in their individual areas of, you know, this is something you need to work on. A goalkeeper has a very different set of needs to a, a centre forward. And so just that idea, I thought that analogy is quite helpful to help us see how CPD is developed within a school, that actually everybody is constantly trying to improve, not because there's a deficit, but more because there is more potential to increase our ability. And it's not just about pedagogy, it's about leadership, it's about taking on different roles within the school. And I definitely think that what you were describing just now about encouraging staff to share their expertise is a really important form of CPD to allow a colleague to start to deliver and think about how do I present this content in a way that's mm -hmm. going to be meaningful and helpful for colleagues is part of what you need to do as you move on in terms of your career. Do you feel that schools have to have a approach that allows space for that to happen? How, how, do you, how would you advise that happens maybe in departments or beyond? Yeah, I think I think that's so important. I mean, something again that's been brought in this year is is that idea of having a CPD plan that is constantly updated. So you might set a, a something in stone, but then you're always going back and updating it, dependent on the need that's cropped up. Um, and I think that something that's been really great for our middle leadership and aspiring leaders in the school again is that there's regular. It's not just one off. It's not kind of that first training day in September when everyone gets into the hall and sits down and kind of gets their pen their pen and paper out. It's a regular thing and it's always updated. Um, and it, a lot of the CPD that, that is done is, is comes off the back of actually teaching learning reviews or comes off the back of, of audits and feedback. And I think creating space, you have to also create space for identifying the needs. And it might be that actually, you know, with the, the NQTs that I work with, I've set something up this year, but I know already that the NQTs that I have next year won't have the same needs and therefore it's it's always about evolving things and I think that is so important that CPD should never be set in stone it's always about the fact that it's evolving and you know the education world evolves and theory evolves 
um, and pedagogy evolves. And we've seen that even in our school with the implementation of Rosenstein, such an old principle, but it is so relevant and it is evolved and we've evolved to be able to make sure that that is something that we're implementing successfully in school as well. And I always think context is king. That mm -hmm. really matters. Your context, not only your geographical context, but also the context of the learners you're working with, the situation of the school, all of those things are really important. You think about COVID and the impact the pandemic has had. Mm -hmm. We all had a very steep learning curve in kind of education to know how do we deliver mm -hmm. over on, you know, that was really, really a quick response and yeah. we had to really learn how to adapt to a new context. And I think that your CPD plan, wh wh at whatever level, mm -hmm. always needs to take into consideration that things change. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel that, one of the things, I read a book a little while back called Professional Capital, and I think it's by Hargreaves and I can't remember who the other person is, but it's a great book and it talks about how it had like this table about different needs that people have in terms mm -hmm. of professional development and that there can be a point where as you get on in your career and you're more experienced, there tends to be a sense that I've done this, I've kind of, you know, I've, I've seen this before and, 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 and things do move in cycles. Mm -hmm. So so having worked in education for like 14 years odd, you see things come round again. Yeah. How can you help? Uh, what, what advice would you give to someone who maybe is feeling a little bit, not jaded, but just a sense that I've seen this before. How can we uh, encourage colleagues who maybe are more senior, more experienced to be willing to still engage with professional development? I think a lot of that is about them, again, that idea of deliberate practice, so the, the challenging them to implement things and, and try new things, take risks. Um, <clears throat> I think sometimes in education we're a bit worried to take risks, and I think with CPD and, and learning new um, strategies or uh, whatever you're learning, theories, etc., taking a risk is so important to then be able to go and put those into place. Um, and, and again, it doesn't matter how experienced you are, whether you're a newbie to it, or whether you've been teaching 20 plus years, you need to be able to be willing to take risks because it becomes a little bit boring and it becomes a little bit samey, doesn't it, if you don't? Um, and I know that, you know, it's that idea of change, isn't it? And I know that some staff are quite happy, they bumble along, um, but it should always be that mindset that you're never quite there, you're never perfect. And I always say this to, to ITT and NQTs that it's you're never there, you're never gonna have a perfect lesson. You can go and see a really good lesson but you're never perfect. And one of the things that I'm so glad about is the fact that they're taking out lesson ratings and, and the idea of outstanding. I can remember as a, a quite a newly qualified teacher being observed by the deputy head um, at a previous school and he came in and he, he was like, oh my goodness, that was a lesson with, with knobs on, that was amazing, like, as in that was the best thing ever. And I thought I made it, I thought that was it. And then the next lesson I had, I thought, oh, that's very rubbish. And then suddenly you're kind of like, am I not a very good teacher anymore? And it's, it's that fact that one thing doesn't define you. Um, or one set of skills, one set of knowledge doesn't define you. I've picked up some physical A-level geography at the moment and I've not taught it for years because I've always picked up the human side of it. Um, and I love physical geography, it's my favourite part of geography, I've always ended up teaching the human side, but I have had to go back and read and reread things. And I think, you know, a lot of people will be like, you've been head of department, you've been teaching this long, but it's not that, is it, at all? And I think, you know, we have never made it. And I, I really try and emphasise that with, with staff. Um, and when I was head of department, that was always the case that, you know, there is always something, even if you feel like you know something really well, there's always something that you can develop and get better at. I definitely think that the, the school culture matters, mm. where you're encouraged to take a risk. And I think that there will be colleagues who maybe are listening in different contexts where they feel very much that they're in a high stakes culture. And the idea of taking a risk is, is 
just shocking, or not even shocking, just frightening. Like, mm. why would I take a risk? How can we kind of make take steps within a school, like a, from a whole school point of view, to encourage a culture where people feel comfortable to take mm. risks? What what kind of things did you do when you were in, uh, head of department or with, even within school to alleviate some of that, that fear that comes where I don't want to be judged on this one lesson and you're going to make a judgment about me that is based solely on what I do in this classroom. How do we move away from that? I think there's two things. One, leading from the front, leading by example. Um, so, you know, your middle leaders, your senior leaders, the, those people that are perhaps more experienced, they should be leading from the front and, and saying, you know, do as I do here and kind of follow my lead. I'm going to take a risk. You take a risk. I think the other thing is about making that culture safe. Uh, and sometimes it does mean there has to be a change in culture um, to make people feel like they're happy to take that risk. And and I think that's probably the hardest one. I think leading by example, that should be something that comes naturally as a leader. That's the whole part of, of, of kind of leadership framework and leadership culture. But it's about changing that culture to make it safe so that you're not going to be uh, judged um, or people aren't going to come in and say, well, what are you doing? Why are you trying that? Uh, and if it doesn't work, you know it doesn't work. And you want someone alongside you saying, okay, well, don't worry, that didn't work this time. Let's try a different way or let's... And again, it's a, a lot of it comes up from the coaching element of, of the staff you have around with around you. Obviously, we've brought in a lot of instructional coaching this year, and I think that's such a great way of being able to get alongside someone and say, well, you know, that didn't work, but let's talk about what, how else we could approach it. Let's make sure we try that together. Um, so you've got that support element as well. I definitely think that's something really important because safety is such an important kind of psychological part mm. of having a, a, a highly functioning team. And I think that creating a trust where you know that someone is coming alongside you so it's done with rather than done to is really important. What do you think about, because I think that one of the, the, the urgent matters in education is the fact that teacher attrition has, isn't maybe not as high as it has been given mm. the current context, but is, it is high. And we have a kind of golden generation of teachers who are coming up to retirement, who are gonna leave the profession. How can we have, for those who are long serving members of staff, how can we tap into their expertise so that doesn't leave the, the education system? Because I see that being quite a, an, an urgent issue, that how do you retain some of that? And I know there's lots of conversations around systems and, and trying to ensure that we keep that expertise in different roles that we see existing. But what would you say for, you know, for a school that's maybe trying to utilize the quality that they have in front of them? How can we capture some of that? I think coaching plays a role within that. So using perhaps some more experienced staff, um, that golden generation, to, to kind of get involved within coaching and and almost not a buddy system, but being able to pair them up with someone that actually you know they'd be able to gain expertise and support from. Um, again, you know you might have very varied departments where you've got young young kind of less experienced members of staff um, and older, more experienced, and and being able to. To really just as a team be collaborative and I think not allowing almost those more experienced staff to get away with it. Okay. <laughs> kind of saying, look guys, you know stuff, come <laughs> and tell us, yeah. like, show us and, um, and lead on these things. And again, that comes through that idea that everyone is a leader with CPD. It's, it's not about one person doing it all. Every single person has a role. Um, and just making sure that you're, you're tapping into that, I think it's really important. I think that's a really valid point, that, that the, um, the idea that Sometimes if you're an experienced member of staff and you've, you've been through a whole host of different experiences, 
um, sometimes you might feel a little bit neglected in terms mm -hmm. of not being able to contribute. But I think if you have a, an environment where people are all collaborati mm -hmm. collaborating and there there is a collaborative sense as a group that actually nobody's left you know, to kind of sit in the corner. Everybody's mm -hmm. participating in how can we move this forward. And I think that that's definitely something that's really a mark of a good and a well-functioning team is that everyone pr brings what their particular skills are. Do you feel that there are particular aspects of CPD that teachers can engage in to ensure they're on point in the classroom? Are there key things that you say, listen, if you could only do one thing, this seems to be a really key part of being you know, an effective teacher? I think there's lots of buzzwords around, isn't there? And I think if you were to read Edu Twitter, for a lot of members of staff, it would make them feel a bit naff. Um, and I think sometimes there's that that fear that you're not part of the Edu Twitter clique, and therefore you know you haven't made it because no one knows who you are. You're not on Twitter. You haven't got loads of followers. Um, and and I think when you read that, a lot of the things that comes through. I mean, AFL used to do the buzzword. AFL F AFL was the thing, and if you didn't really know about that and didn't write about it, then you know, you'd not made it. But I think now, from what we've got in, in the culture that we've got in our CPD and our teaching and learning, I think the big thing, teaching and learning based or pedagogy wise, is is really thinking about the implementation of, of the simple things, like some of the Rosenstein principles, the modeling, the guided practice, um, the questioning. I think they are your bread and butter in a classroom. And I think if, if I was observing a lesson, they would be the things that I would be looking for most um, and, and you know you might read things about Teach Like a Champion and think oh I've got to do all those strategies a lot of those again are just good teaching, good quality teaching um, and you know I've spoken to members of staff in other schools before about things like that and then they feel like they don't really know anything because they've ne never heard of some of these phrases and, uh, and it, a lot of it's quite jargon uh, based but it is that simple thing isn't it if you're able to implement good quality teaching and learning if you're modelling and you're, you're guiding your students and you're questioning them then a lot of things will fall into place alongside that. I definitely think that's really key you know when you look at if I draw on football again and this is especially because of you because I know you're a big football fan um, but if you look at good football players they do the basics mm -hmm. and they do them well and, and, and sometimes people can be lost in the kind of their magic that they bring but actually fundamentally they do some really basic things really well and I, and I think that that's something to really stress that actually there are teachers, I don't think any person comes to school to, to do a bad job. Not, you, yeah. you ultimately want to go and do something that's going to have an impact for your young people to help them make progress. And I think that sometimes it is about boiling it down to what are the basic mm -hmm. components that are going to allow us to move these young people forward. And I think that's a really key point to take home, I guess, mm -hmm. from, from the idea of CPD. I also think that it's really important to take ownership of your professional development. Absolutely. And yeah. you said earlier on about the idea of like a learning review or an audit within the department. That's a really good op opportunity to address, actually, I'm not very good at this thing, mm -hmm. or I could develop or be better at this thing. How much do you feel that staff should have maybe their own CPD plan about, okay, this is what I want to try and achieve. You mm -hmm. know, I, I do think CPD and PDRs yeah. should be really closely linked because Possibly. ultimately that's a really good leverage point to help people move forward. How much do you think that staff should have their own kind of plans, their own even private plans that you might have on, their, on an A4 sheet mm. to say, I want to work on these things. Do you think that's something that staff should, could do? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it boils down to, to again, that honesty and that, that level of self-awareness. I think sometimes as teachers, we aren't so self-aware because we're pumped full of so much information sometimes we, we often feel either overwhelmed by it or some people just think they've made it already and 
and having that self-awareness to know that you're never going to be perfect you're never the finished article that there is always something to work on is so important and I think as individuals there's always something that we want to get better at and it, it might do only PDR it might be something that you set as a, a yearly target um, and I think it's about the importance of that not being something you do in September <laughs> and then review the following year but actually it's something you want to do so not just putting a target down for the sake of it if it's linked really closely to your individualized CPD plan then you've got to want to be invested in it and you've got to want to put the time and effort into it and I think putting time aside is really important to, to do that whether it's led by your department your head of department to, to kind of give you time um, maybe once a term to look at something um, but you also sometimes need some guidance and some support with it and that comes through if you are having your PDR linked to your CPD who's doing your PDR and, and how much time and they're investing in you and investing actually supporting and guiding you not just saying oh yeah you know I want to get better at uh, my behaviour management this year full stop yeah. Or actually what are we going to do about it then and, and checking back in and, and making sure that you know, it's not a target that you just do once and say oh I've done it I've done it within a week have it as an ongoing thing so always be looking um, and like you said earlier there's so much out there now it can be quite overwhelming um, but there are some really high quality things there's some really high quality blogs um, that you can read and I won't name drop them all because people will be sad but um, there is some really quality stuff and, and a lot of people know where to find that information so draw on that draw on that expertise from people around you which I think link, link, links really nicely to uh, what we've spoken to Sophie about about coaching mm. and the importance of being Absolutely. able to do that and also uh, the podcast on uh, that I did with Alice about research you know there's often a sense that it's driven by your own personal passion about mm. actually I really want to work on this thing or I see this quality in this person that I really want to emulate and I think that it's drawn it very nicely thank mm. you so much for being here I'm going to give you another round of applause there you go and so I really appreciate you just joining us today and talking it through. I'm definitely going to have you back again to talk yeah, more about football stuff and all the rest of it. But that has been the On Point podcast. This is available on Spotify. Um, you should see some social media stuff coming out soon. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Speak to you soon. You don't try to build a waltz. You don't start there. You say, I'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be late. You do that every single day. Soon you have a wall. And soon you have a wall.